Not me. Not Hermione. You. <laughs> not me. Not Hermione. You. <laughs> you. Hello, hello. Hi. <laughs> okay. Hello, hello, hello. I am so out of it. I don't know why I'm so tired. I actually went to bed. I want to say like twelve thirty, mm. which I for me, I would say that's pretty good. But mm. um, so exhausted. Today felt like the most. Well, as we record this, it's a Monday, and it felt like the most Monday Monday mm-hmm. ever. Um, you know, had a little stress cry at my desk about 45 oh, no. minutes into work, but we're all good. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know why it was like today was so Monday. I almost had the Sunday scaries mm. as the it sequel. was happening. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we are, we are in our final week of March magic. I can't believe we're here. I know we've covered... What did we start out with? Practical magic. So witch, witchy, mm-hmm. herby. Then we went to... Now you see it, magicians. Magician magic. Mm-hmm. Also, he was a wizard. Mm-hmm. Then we went to... Stardust. Stardust. Mm-hmm. That was all around magical. And yes. then we went to life-size. Yes. Occult. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> And um, we had to end it off with a very highly requested movie. Mm -hmm. Would you like to tell the people? Today we are doing 2001's Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) Or if you saw it in the U.S., Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Truly, I think one of the... One of the most like iconic films of our childhoods, mm-hmm. you know, it definitely defined the millennial generation. I would say. Oh yeah, I mean, this was like a phenomenon because it it wasn't it was the books and then it was the movies, mm-hmm. and it was also like Harry Potter memorabilia. Like people were dressing up as Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. People wanted to be Hermione Granger. Like it yeah. was a whole lifestyle. What was your, like, did you read the books growing up or were you just a movie gal? I did not read the books. Mm -hmm. Um, My brother has all the books in hardcover. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't, I mean, I would say just like Hermione in the sense that she's the most popular, like, girl character. Mm -hmm. What about you? I, I read the first book in, like... Gosh, I think it was after the second movie came out. I read the first book, or maybe it was after the first movie. I was really young, though. I think I was only, like, six or seven. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't really, like, stick with it. But I did watch the movies as they came out, really loved them. And then I read all of the books in the six months between Deathly Hallows Part 1 and Part 2 coming out in theaters. Yeah. So I was like, oh, if it's ending, like, now would be the time to read the books. So I read them all. So I, I was kind of late to the game, but also not really because I did grow up watching the movies. Did you feel like the uh, reading the books like really enhanced the richness of the Harry Potter universe? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of like details that you get a lot more like backstory and 
explanation of stuff. Although the first movie, like this one, is basically a carbon copy of the book, if I remember correctly. Okay. It's like almost word for word. It's kind of shocking how similar they are. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy because they just released the like reunion Mm -hmm. um, episode thing. And I also feel like not only did we – people in like around our age group grew up with Harry Potter, but Mm -hmm. now people are also like reliving Harry Potter because of like the Harry Potter worlds and – And there's also a Harry Potter store, like, in New York. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a lot still going on. Like, I remember a couple months ago when I was in Disney, people were, like, dressed in robes with the wands. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it hasn't faded. Yeah, it's pretty weird to think that probably within our lifetime we're going to see a reboot. I guess so. Well, don't they have already that movie that's, like – fantastical beasts or something that takes place like before the events of harry potter because i gosh i think that luna ends up marrying the main character in fantastic beats and where to find them i think she marries his grandson or like his son yeah his grandson i guess it's i can't believe i have all this shit just stored in my brain (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty crazy. Um, it does. It is funny to watch this movie now and just be like, I wonder, I actually don't know how old J.K. Rowling was when she wrote these books. I want to say like her 30s. Yeah. And I'm not 30 yet, but like just the idea of creating such an imaginative world where it's like, I'm going to call this like a, a remember all and this is like a, a quidditch ball and like mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff it's like or the golden snitch but it's so how audacious to just be like i'm gonna call this this i'm gonna call this that mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty crazy unfortunately jk has decided to take some viewpoints that i'm not gonna like rehash everybody knows she's like very anti-trans and i definitely don't um stand with that at all and it's just kind of it's really disappointing because the this like series and these books were such a safe haven, I feel like, for so many people, especially like people who were trans or people who had any sort of like marginalized identity. And it's just really sad to see the the road that she's taken and how it's like tarnished what was really important to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, she just sounds like off her rocker. Mm-hmm. And also like I think there was a thing where she's like, oh, yeah, Dumbledore is gay, but there's like no mm-hmm. a lot of like actual text stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was like very odd, but mm-hmm. so yeah, you can't idolize people, especially mm-hmm. artists. Yeah. However, the the movie is pretty iconic, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, like this is something that like meant a lot in your childhood, or something that brought you comfort, like. No one can take that away from you. Like, that's always going to be there. And, you know, just as long as we're aware that people can really let you down sometimes. Oof, boy. Um, On that somber note. (laughs) Nice light intro. Shall we get into some behind the scenes facts? Yeah, why not? So this film was originally meant to take place at Canterbury Cathedral. Um, They were going to use it for some of the Hogwarts scenes, but the Dean of Canterbury was like, absolutely not. 
this is a Christian church. We're not going to promote this pagan imagery. And then Gloucester, Gloucester? I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I think so, but I'm sure someone will let us know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So at that cathedral, they agreed to go ahead and let them film. And the dean of Gloucester, the very Reverend Nicholas Burry, admitted to being a fan of the books. But even so, there was like a big media outcry and um, local newspapers were writing about it, claiming it was blasphemy, yada, yada, yada. But in the end, only one protester actually turned up. So damn, that's embarrassing. (laughs) That's embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one thing that I do really enjoy about this movie, and I feel like it's something that we're lacking a lot in like more action or fantasy movies these days is that they use a lot of like real sets there's not really a ton of green screen going on i do feel detached from a movie that has too much cgi and green screen yeah because it's like it's just feels so fantastical that i don't Mm -hmm. have any stake in it yeah it just doesn't it doesn't feel real and like that's something that i that's why i think uh, lord of the rings was such huge huge success as well because they used a lot of practical sets and they used like optical illusions to like make people seem like there were different sizes and stuff like that yeah um so i really appreciated that about this movie obviously there are special effects of course but they did a lot of practical effects too um i think like the most notable like use of cgi is during like the quidditch game yeah and then also uh the ceiling like the ceiling of the great hall is also cgi of course Mm -hmm. but yeah, the the set designer, fantastic job. You killed it. Yeah, great job. Also, I would say the costumes. Mm-hmm. I actually really like the costumes in um, the one where they do the cup. The Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. I loved the blue uniform of the girls' school. Oh, the, the and Bow like, Battens. Yes. Yeah, very pretty. I also love, because they don't really start to introduce kind of the – plain clothes like non-robe wardrobe until the third mm-hmm. one prisoner of azkaban is personally my favorite i do remember liking prisoner of azkaban a lot mm-hmm. i loved um serious black i thought he was quite attractive <laughs> big gary oldman <laughs> yeah that's also yeah. the movie that we have on dvd i don't know if we have the other ones in dvd but i watched it a lot in like yeah. the car dvd player when we take long trips yeah, um, that was also the first one that had a different director because Chris Columbus directed the first two. Okay. Um, but then he left before this, the third one. But uh, initially, the studio actually wanted Steven Spielberg to direct it, but he was like, mm-hmm. I got some other projects that I'm thinking about. So when he <laughs> turned it down, his recommendation was M. Night Shyamalan, and what a different vibe That's this would have been. <laughs> very crazy to me. Like, no tea, no shade. Like, mm-hmm. I we love an NYU alum. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I think it was a little mm. bit better that he didn't do that. I agree. I think that everything panned out the way it was supposed to for who was directing which projects. Yeah. Yeah. We also found out that. Daniel Radcliffe was supposed to wear green contacts, mm. um, but th- it, it was, like, really uncomfortable. Like, he couldn't, you know, actually act with them in. <laughs> yeah. And Emma Watson was supposed to wear buck teeth, mm-hmm. but she couldn't speak properly with them in. So they were just like, screw that. Like, we're yeah. not doing that. <laughs> Which I think is a good call, too, because 
I was talking with Christina and she's like, oh yeah, in the book, she's supposed to have like frizzy hair and buck teeth and stuff. I'm like, that's so unnecessary. Like, why are you going OD? She's a kid. Like Mm -hmm. no one's like, oh, that kid is super beautiful or super ugly. She's like 11. Just let her live. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know that if you ask pretty much any guy our age, they had a crush on Emma Watson at some point growing up. She was like Mm -hmm. the it girl. Um, And from what I gather, very similar to Hermione. Like they are basically the same person. Like Emma Watson. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Wow. She's like, I had you looking in the wrong section. (laughs) (laughs) I picked this up for a bit of light reading. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then we just wanted to let you know that this film was made for $125 million. And it made (laughs) $1.018 billion in the box office. My one God. billion dollars, yeah. One billion doll hairs, Jesus. That's, that's so many doll hairs. So many doll hairs. God, I can't even imagine. Even just like the actors' net worth from this movie, like Daniel, no, Rupert, and Emma must be doing amazing for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I guess after that, you just do the seven movies, and you don't have to like work yeah. again ever. I mean, Daniel, I know, went on to do some some other movies. He also was in Equus on Broadway. Yeah, um, I remember. Everyone was talking about that because he showed his penis in it. His his thing. Um, yeah, my old uh, ground circus teacher was the horse in that play. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously Emma has gone on to do a lot of movies and Rupert did a couple, but... Um, Seems like he's been laying low. Yeah. I remember he bought an ice cream truck. He was doing that for a bit. And then he had a baby with the actress that played Georgia Nicholson from Angus Long's Perfect Snogging. They have a child. Whoa. Just two icons of British cinema coming together. Yes. Two teen icons. <laughs> yes. Well, on that note, shall we just dive into this very long movie? <laughs> yeah. Let's just jump into it. So we open up by watching Dumbledore walk down a sidewalk at night. He magically takes the lights out of all of the uh, street lights on the sidewalk and starts talking to this cat who turns into Professor McGonagall. And she asks him if the rumors are true about what's going on and about the boy. (laughs) Dumbledore says that they are true. And Hagrid is bringing the boy tonight. McGonagall is like, what? Excuse me. Is it wise to trust Hagrid? And he's like, I would trust Hagrid with my life. Very shady right now. So Hagrid comes down in his motorcycle and delivers the baby to Dumbledore and McGonagall and asks him if he thinks it's the right choice to leave Harry with these awful muggles. But Dumbledore says this is his only family and that it's better for him to grow up away from all of the people who know him. Hagrid, being quite emotional and in touch with his vulnerability, begins to tear up. And Dumbledore leaves a letter with the baby and wishes him luck. 
zoom in to Harry Potter's scar. Amazing score. Wonderful score. We then fast forward 10 years later. Harry Potter is woken up in his little cupboard underneath the stairs that he lives in. In New York, that would be about $3,000 a month without utilities. <laughs> and uh, he is woken up by his Aunt Petunia. So he puts on his glasses and his cousin Dudley decides to jump on the stairs above him and is like, wake up, we're going to the zoo. That was a pretty good impression. Oh my God, thank you. He's insufferable. I cannot stand his this young child. Yeah. Um. So Harry goes into the kitchen to join his quote unquote family. And, you know, they wish Dudley a happy birthday and they're like, don't burn the breakfast, boy, and make Harry cook breakfast for them. And Uncle Vernon is yelling at him. He's like, bring me my coffee, yada, 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 as Dudley is counting all of his birthday presents. And he is dismayed because he has 36 presents this year when last year he had 37. So he starts throwing a tantrum and they're like, oh my God, don't even worry. While we're out today, we'll buy you two more presents. Insufferable people. Yeah. So they go to the car to go to the zoo and Vernon warns Harry that if there's any funny business at all, no meals for a week. So like we're talking a child abuse, like very toxic dynamic here. Just bad news bears all around. I mean, he lives under the stairs. Like Mm -hmm. he goes into his room. He's like, I'm laying on my bed now. (laughs) Yep. Also when – Dudley's running up and down the stairs to like bang on his ceiling. There's like, uh, what's it called? Like sawdust. Yeah, like little dust coming from the the sheet rock Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's above him. I'm willing to bet that there is some sort of toxic mold in there. Sure, I wouldn't put it past them. Mm -hmm. They do make it to the zoo, and Dudley pushes his way to the snake enclosure, and he's like. He's not moving. And he like bangs on the glass. And it, there's actually a really funny moment where he bangs on the glass and Vernon is like, oh, like he, his eyes are open so wide. And Harry's like, he's asleep. And Dudley's like, ball rang. And he walks off. And Harry looks at the snake. He's like, I'm sorry about him. And the snake looks up at him and blinks. And Harry's like, can you hear me? And the snake nods his little CGI head and he's like, do you talk to people often? The snake is like, no. <laughs> and The snake's like, nah. <laughs> and Harry continues the conversation. He's very lonely. He's like, do you miss your family? You, you must be from Burma. And the snake points to the sign by the, the glass enclosure that says, bread in captivity. And Harry's like, yeah, I never knew my parents either. (laughs) So Dudley sees the snake moving about and runs back over to the enclosure, shoves Harry on the ground and presses against the glass. And Harry just glares at Dudley for pushing him while he's still on the ground. All of a sudden, glass vanishes. (gasps) Dudley falls into this enclosure in this little like puddle uh, pond thing that's mm. in there and the snake ends up slithering out and thanks Harry before leaving the zoo I don't know where the snake <laughs> thinks he's going but he 
will mm-hmm. probably not survive in a while. Yeah. Um, everyone's like screaming. They're freaking out. Dudley gets out of the pool of water and tries to leave the enclosure only to find that the glass has reappeared <gasps> and he's trapped. Oh, my goodness. After this whole debacle at the zoo, they go home. Vernon, like, shoves Harry up against the wall, and he's like, what happened? And Harry's like, I don't know. It disappeared like magic. And Vernon, like, stops dead in his tracks, and he's like, not today, bitch. And he shoves Harry into his little cupboard and says, there's no such thing as magic. Wow. Later on, I don't know if this is, like, a couple days later or how long has passed, but an owl delivers a letter to the Dursley's house. Harry goes to get the mail. He's sorting through, and he sees a letter to Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs. My, just so we all remember, my man is an orphan, okay? Mm-hmm. Largely unremembered by anyone. Like, he doesn't know anything about his heritage or his family. Yeah. Why would he be receiving a letter? It's not even like he can get credit card offers. Like, he's 11. Yes. Harry is shocked. He gives Vernon the mail. And Dudley notices that Harry received a letter. So, of course, he has to be like, you have a letter. Like, there's a letter in your hand. Like, whatever. (laughs) Vernon snatches that shit real quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so no letter for Harry. But the next day, another owl comes and it drops off two more letters. Curious. And it like sits next to these other owls. So Vernon is like, all right, enough of that. He put like nails or like screws like a board against the letter slot so that no more Mm -hmm. letters can come in the next day. Like it keeps going on and on and on where more and more owls are showing up and more and more letters because obviously Harry is not receiving any of them. Yes. Finally on Sunday – Vernon is like, ah, Sunday, the best day of the week. Why is that, Dudley? And Dudley's like, "Uh, Uh (laughs) there's no post on Sunday. And Vernon's like, yes, indeed, there's no post. You know, no owls, no blah, blah, blah. But the owls all get together and flood the house with letters. We're talking mail slots, windows, fireplace. Chimney, yeah. There's not a hole in the house mm-hmm. that a letter isn't coming through. <laughs> Any hole is a goal. <laughs> Any hole is a goal. <laughs> Harry snatches one of the falling letters and tries to see it, but Vernon catches him and stops him. And he's like, that's it. We're going far away where no one can find us. Where do they go? A fucking island in the middle of the goddamn ocean. I don't even know how they got there. Like, they took a boat. The waters are rushing. Yeah, these are, like, dark, scary waters. And they're not even in, like, a lighthouse. It's just, like, a a tall shack. Yeah. So, yeah, they're staying on this weird-ass island. Harry is sleeping on the dirt floor while Dudley sleeps on a couch and this poor boy draws himself a birthday cake in the dirt and writes, Happy birthday, Harry. And he's like, make a wish and blows out the dirt candles. It's pretty sad. Wow. <laughs> um, I was watching the like uh, Harry Potter reunion thing and Daniel Radcliffe was like, yeah, I guess as a child I just like had this really 
Like I was happy and everything, but apparently I had this really haunting quality that people were like, whoa, like he, he looks like he's been through some things. <laughs> he's a well kid. Yeah. Have you ever seen that SNL sketch? I have. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go look it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so after this really sad moment, somebody starts banging on the door. So Dudley, Harry, like everybody wakes up. Mm -hmm. Harry goes to hide behind a corner while Vernon comes down with Petunia. She has her hair in rollers. He has a shotgun. Who's at the door? Oh, my God. It's Rubius Hagrid. And he smashes that door in. He's like, oh, sorry about that. And, you know, picks up the door. And Vernon tries to, like, throw him out because obviously this is an intruder in the middle of the night. And uh, (laughs) Hagrid goes over and he's – I can't remember what he says, but it's, like – it's along the lines of, like, blow it out your ass, but it's not that. (laughs) He calls him a brute. Yeah. And then he bends the the shotgun barrel up so that when Vernon fires, it just, like, explodes and hits the ceiling. But I'm also, like, damn, Vernon was about to shoot this guy in the face. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty intense. So Hagrid then sees Dudley mistaking him for Harry and is like, oh, my God, you're like a little bit bigger than I thought you would be. When finally Harry (laughs) comes out and Hagrid is like, oh, my God, Harry, like I haven't seen you since you were a baby. Uh, You probably don't remember me. Like that thing that all old people do. And they're like, oh, my God, you probably don't remember me. The last time I saw you is when you were like one year old. It's like, obvi. I'm like, of course I don't. (laughs) Yeah. So he presents Harry with a cake. It says, happy birthday, Harry, like misspelled and like the happy iconic. Happy birthday, Harry. Harry. <laughs> in like the pink frosting with like the green lettering. If you were going to do a Harry Potter party, mm. that would be a, a mandatory. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And he's like, you know, it's not every day that a young man turns 11. Hagrid then points his umbrella at the fireplace and gets a fire going. Mm. The Dursleys gasp. (laughs) Hagrid finally introduces himself as the keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. Harry's like, what (laughs) VF are you referring to? And Hagrid's like, you're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? (laughs) Harry finally gets to read the letter, and it's about his admission to Hogwarts school. Vernon is like, he is not going. (laughs) When we took him in, we'd said we'd put a stop to this rubbish. Do you want to do Petunia's lines? Oh, my gosh. I wish I could do, like, a really good impression of her. I simply can't, but... Of course we knew. How could you not be? My perfect sister being who she was. Oh, my mother and father were so proud the day she got her letter. We have a witch in the family. Isn't it wonderful? (laughs) I was the only one who saw her for what she was. A freak. Then she met that Potter and then she had you and I knew you'd be just the same. Just as strange. Just as abnormal. Then, if you please, she went and got herself blown up. And then we got landed with you. Damn, that's crazy (laughs) that she's still mad at her sister even though she's dead. Yeah. And they're fucking weird. (laughs) Like that, the Dursleys. Yeah. are Vernon looks like a rat and has, I love this actor. Like I think he does Mm -hmm. a great job, but the man, the character is odd, Mm -hmm. right? Petunia is like a little like wayfish mommy, like- (laughs) Like, oh, Dudley, you're so precious. And yeah. Dudley's like, 
an absolute horrid, horrid little boy. Mm-hmm. Petunia is like one of those moms that's like eerily, like creepily obsessed with her sons where it's like, yeah, my son is like my boyfriend. Like my son is my first love. I'm like, that's fucking weird. Oh, yeah. That's weirdo behavior. <laughs> Big weirdo energy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Harry's pissed at this point because, <laughs> because they told him that his parents died in a car crash when he was a kid. And Hagrid is like, a car crash killing the great James and Lily Potter. That's blasphemous. I don't think so. Vernon and Hagrid get into this whole argument. Meanwhile, Dudley steals the cake um, because he's annoying. And Hagrid's like... This is ridiculous. Harry has been accepted into Hogwarts since the day he was born. He's going, and he'll be under the finest headmaster, Albus Dumbledore. And Vernon is like, he's not going to be studying any rubbish from that old fool. And this crosses a line for Hagrid. He points his umbrella at Vernon, and he's like, never, ever insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. And then decides to give Dudley a pig's <laughs> tail with his umbrella. The Dursleys scream. And Hagrid's like, BT dubs, Harry. Maybe don't say anything about that because I'm not really allowed to do magic. Anyways, we better get going. You're coming, right? And Harry's like, absolutely. Goodbye to these fools. And off they go. So where do they go? The leaky cauldron, of course. <gasps> Harry looks over his – there's just so much exposition, y'all. I know. <laughs> I'm sure you know every beat, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, we'll be honest. This movie is mostly exposition. It is. We're good. We're trying to give it our flair here and there, yeah. but it's a lot a of facts. <laughs> give it the old razzle-dazzle. <laughs> Harry, you know, runs through his list. He's like, I need, like, an owl or a toad or a rat, and I need a wand, and I need da-da-da. Hagrid, can we find all this in London town? And Hagrid's like, if you know where to go. And that was actually that was pretty rough. good. Oh, thank you. It was so, it was a little gargled, but like the energy yeah. was there, you know? I couldn't tell if I sounded more like Hagrid or Aquafina. Mm. So they go to the leaky cauldron where Hagrid runs into the bartender, Tom, and Tom is like the usual then, and he's like, Oh, we gotta get Mr. Potter here, some things for school. Mm. And everyone's like, (gasps) Harry Potter? Yes. Everyone goes silent. There are stairs. People come up to shake his hand. They're like, bless you, Potter. (laughs) And Professor Quirrell is there, the new defense against the dark arts professor. He comes up to Harry and he's like, pleased to meet you. I don't know if it's inappropriate of me to do the stunner, but that is what he says. That is what he does, yeah. And he extends a hand, but the professor doesn't shake his hand. Mm-hmm. Weird. Germaphobe? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> First thought, Howie Mandel type. Yeah. Who knows, though? Mm-hmm. He's like, LOL, not that you need help in defense against the dark arts. Ha, ha, ha. And Hagrid and Harry go off. To continue their shopping, they walk through the back room to this small little alleyway with a brick wall, and Harry asks Hagrid why he's famous, and Hagrid says that he's not the right person to tell him. He taps on the brick, and it unravels to reveal the magical Diagon Alley. Wow. Oh, and I will say, 
having not seen the movies in a while, mm-hmm. comparing it to like the universal Harry Potter world, it's pretty like spot on. Oh, the universal yeah. Harry Potter world is like really cool to see. It's super cool, yeah. Um, the attention to detail is pretty insane. I know in like the like the Hogwarts ride, my favorite part of it wasn't even the ride. It was just like walking through the halls because there's so mm. much detail in like each room that like we there wasn't even a line when I went, but we spent so much time just like looking at everything before we actually got to the ride. It's like very well done. If you haven't been, I definitely recommend. Totally, especially if you're in Florida. Yeah. Back to Diagon Alley. Harry is marveling at all the shops. It's hustle and bustle. Everybody's doing their back-to-school shopping. We see some kids gushing over the Nimbus 2000 broomstick. It's their fastest model yet. That's a tool you'll need later, so hang on to that knowledge. (laughs) Harry's then like, how am I supposed to buy any school supplies when I've got no money? I'm a poor orphan. (laughs) I'm just a poor boy. And he's like, not anymore. (laughs) They go to Gringotts, which is the big wizard bank. And Hagrid says, there's no safer place to keep your stuff except maybe Hogwarts. Mm. Something you'll need to remember later. (laughs) So they head inside and Hagrid explains that all the workers are goblins and, you know, they go over to one of them who gives – Hagrid gives him the key to Harry's vault so that he can make a withdrawal and also hands over a letter from Dumbledore. Yes, he does. So they take a little, like, roller coaster-like trolley up to the vault. Mm-hmm. And the goblin gets out and opens it. So the door opens, revealing just a ton of gold coins. Yeah. Like – you would think if they're a bank that they would at least have like like drawers or drawer, something. <laughs> yeah, anything else. But it's just a room full of gold coins. So and they're like m- meticulously stacked too. Like it's not just a pile. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also like, how did they withdraw that without mm-hmm. like, coming out being like jingle jingle jingle? I want to find the because the conversion rate is fucking ridiculous. Let me find it for you into like pounds because okay. it makes no fucking sense. Harry takes out like twenty gold coins. He's like, "We'll take the lot," and she's like, "My retirement." Okay, so there's three different coins. There's bronze nuts. There's silver sickles and golden galleons. So there are 29 nuts to one sickle and 17 (laughs) sickles to a galleon, which makes no, like, what is this convert? Like, what is this system? 29 and 17. That's crazy. You're just pulling shit out of your ass. Like, that's not anything. Especially for a country that uses the metric system. The tools are there for you to use. Like, just... Yeah. Use them. I wonder, though, if that's just because, like, I wonder if J.K. Rowling mentions that or if that's just the calculations that someone has made from. No, it's it's mentioned, I believe. Um, oh, that's crazy. The conversion rate to pounds, though, is generally, depending on time of year, according to what I'm fucking reading, um, <laughs> one galleon oscillates around five pounds sterling. Interesting. Yeah. So you get That's more, crazy. more bang for your buck with galleons. Uh-huh. I don't know what the average like cost of living in galleons is in yeah, the magical yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> but if that's true, 
when Harry takes out the coins from his pocket and he's like, we'll take the lot. He's kind of just pulling out like $15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm not here to poke holes in this. Like, I, this isn't, you know, oh, I the am. hill I want to die on. <laughs> so they get to this coin-filled vault and Hagrid is like, listen, your parents didn't leave you with nothing. Then they had to vault 713 and Hagrid says he can't tell Harry what's in the vault because it's official Hogwarts business. So they get the goblin to unlock the vault and there's just a small, tiny little package inside and Hagrid tells Harry it's best not to mention this to anyone. Back on the street, Harry says that he still needs a wand and Hagrid's like, oh, go into Ollivander's and I'll meet you over there. So Harry walks into Ollivander's wand shop. I want to say Emporium. I don't think that's yeah, right, though. Yeah, I want though. to say that, too. <laughs> um, but who slides over on his ladder but Ollivander himself. And he's like, it seems like only yesterday your mother and father were here buying their first wands. I was wondering when I would see you, Mr. Potter. So he ends up pulling a wand down from the shelf and gives it to Harry. And he's like, what about this one? Give it a wave. (laughs) Harry waves it. Some drawers come crashing down. He's like, alrighty, not that one. He tries another one, ends up breaking a vase. And Ollivander's like, okay, not that one either. So he ends up picking a wand off the shelf. And he's like, hmm, I wonder. So he gives it to Harry The lights brighten. It's a big magical moment. His hair is blowing in the wind. Mm -hmm. Papers are flying everywhere. Clearly, this is the right wand. And Ollivander's like, hmm, curious. I remember every wand I've ever sold. And the phoenix whose feather resides in that wand only ever gave one other feather. And it was that wand that gave you your scar. Whoa. <gasps> OMG. Oh my God. He has like a sister wand to the one who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, oh my God, who? And Ollivander's like, I do not speak his name. But the wand chooses the wizard. And it's not always clear why, but it's clear that we can expect great things from you. Because although he who shall not be named did terrible things, terrible, he did great, great things. Wow. So, pretty spooky. Uh, That's a lot to put Mm -hmm. in an 11-year-old boy. He still doesn't even really know what's going on. No, literally no one will tell this child (laughs) what is happening. Sorry, can't talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. So cool to meet you, though. Much respect. (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) Hey, quick question. What the fuck is everybody talking about? (laughs) And uh, luckily at that moment, Hagrid taps on the window and he's like, happy birthday, Harry. And what does he have for him? Hedwig, his new pet owl. So fun. Mm. Back at the Leaky Cauldron, Harry asks Hagrid for some info about the man who killed his parents. And Hagrid explains that it was a bad wizard named Voldemort. Didn't Hagrid just say he's not the one that should tell him? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) flashback (laughs) Voldemort had followers and anyone who stood up to him died Harry's parents fought against him but nobody lived once Voldemort decided to kill them 
We see how Voldemort killed Harry's mom and pointed his wand at Harry and tried to kill him, which is how he got his scar. After that, some people said he died, but Hagrid reckons that he's still out there. But that's why Harry's famous. He is the boy who lived. Wow. So not only did your parents not, in fact, die in a car crash, they were murdered, and you were almost murdered, too. Mm-hmm. Anyways, off to school you go. <laughs> Anyways, enjoy your, your classmates and your schooling then. <laughs> yeah. So they go to King's Cross Station where Harry drops, nope, where Hagrid drops Harry off with his ticket. And Harry is like, but Hagrid, this ticket says platform nine and three quarters. There must be a mistake. Turns around, Hagrid's already gone. Again, just leaving this child to his own devices. So... Harry then tries to ask a guard for directions about where the fuck platform nine and three quarters is. Obviously, the guard doesn't take him seriously. And that's when he overhears Miss Molly Weasley, a.k.a. Julie Walters, walking through. And she's like, so always crowded with muggles this time of year. (laughs) And he's like, muggles, you say? And he also hears the mention of platform nine and three quarters. So he follows after them and he watches as one of her sons runs towards a brick wall and disappears into it. So Avi, this is the right place. Mm -hmm. He then asks Molly Weasley, how do I do that? And she's like, oh my gosh, it's my son Ron's first time too. Don't worry about it. All you have to do is run straight at the wall. And Harry's future wife, Jenny Weasley, whoa, spoiler alert, um, for a movie that came out 20 years ago, (laughs) she says her one and only line in this movie, good luck. And Harry runs at the wall and crosses through to the other side, platform nine and three quarters, where the Hogwarts Express is waiting. This is just a big old train. A big old red train. Mm Mm-hmm. And Harry sits alone in his train car when a one and only Ron Weasley comes in and he's like, "Uh, all the other cars are full. Can I sit here? And they finally introduce themselves. Ron is like, I'm Ron Weasley. He's like, I'm Mr. Harry Potter. And Ron is like, oh my God, do you have the scar? Bloody hell. Um, Actually, he says, wicked. Then the trolley lady comes by with candy, and she's like, Does, do any of you boys want anything? But Ron, he has his plastic-wrapped sandwich to go. He's mm-hmm. like, uh, my mom packed me lunch, thanks. And Harry's like, well, take the lot, and pulls out his $15 in gold coins, and the boys get a lot of candy. I would be fucking livid if I was... Like, the next car over. And you're like, oh, man, can't wait to buy Chocolate Frog. Sorry, Harry Potter cleaned me out. I got nothing left for everyone else on the train. <laughs> that would be strike number one for me um, with how fucking annoying done. these people are. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, we talk about this later, but being at Hogwarts while Hermione, Ron, and Harry were there. Insufferable. Must be insufferable, Yeah. <laughs> you're like i've really been wanting to be a seeker like this is my junior year like i've really been working hard and harry's like i think i'll try that (laughs) yeah just oh my gosh you're like oh man i'm so excited to 
you know, have any sort of recognition for the work that I'm doing in school, guess what? You can't because these three fools fought a troll in a bathroom. So (laughs) (laughs) Christ. So Harry and Ron are stuffing their faces. We get some birdie bots. We get some chocolate frogs and Ron shows Harry his pet rat scabbers and says that his brother Fred gave him a spell to turn him yellow. So he's about to cast it when Miss Hermione Granger, already in her robes, already an overachiever, comes in. And she's like, have any of you seen a toad? A boy named Neville has lost one. And they're like, She has taken no. it upon herself <laughs> to go from car to car to find Neville's frog. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just don't. Yeah, she's already getting on my nerves. <laughs> Yeah, um, her and uh, Ali Mashalka's character in Now You See It, peas in a pod. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth, yeah. yeah. So she's like, oh, are you doing magic? Because she sees Ron holding his wand. She's like, let's see then. So he casts his spell, which is sunshine, daisies, butter, mellow, turn the stupid fat rat yellow. And of course it does nothing. <laughs> and Hermione's like, it's not a real spell. You know, I've tried some simple ones and they've all worked for me. So she sits down across from Harry and casts the spell Oculus Reparo, which fixes like the broken nose band on his glasses, which has been taped. Mm -hmm. And then she introduces herself and realizes who Harry is. He's Harry Potter. And she's like, well, you better change into your robes because I suspect we'll be arriving soon. And before she leaves the train car, she turns back to Ron and she's like, you've got dirt just there on your nose and walks out. And Ron Mm -hmm. is mortified. Finally, after this either three-hour or ten-hour train ride, (laughs) Hagrid greets the first years at Hogwarts and directs them, um, you know, where to go. They actually head over to boats and make their way to the giant Hogwarts castle, Mm -hmm. which I thought this was a pretty cute touch, how they have to take the boats over. Mm -hmm. Like, it's basically a remote castle. And I did notice that no one's rowing any of the boats. Like, yeah. Magical. Yeah, because later on when they go to Hogwarts, they ride in these carriages um, that pull themselves until you get to the the fifth movie. And at that point, Harry sees these giant, like, skeleton-looking horse creatures pulling the carriages. And he's like, oh, that's so weird. Why is there something pulling the carriages this year, but nobody else can see them. Whoa. But Harry and Luna Lovegood can both see them because they've watched someone die before. So you can't see these animals until you've seen someone die. What? Yeah, it's pretty dark. But did Harry see his parents die? I guess not. I guess he technically didn't see his mom die. Because mm. at that point, he watched um, Cedric die. Does Professor Quirrell die in the chamber? Oh, yeah, I guess he does. We got some plot holes. Bam. Mm-hmm. Disproven. Yeah. McGonagall greets them when they get to the building and tells them that before they can join their classmates, they will need to be sorted into their houses. Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. At the end of the year, the house with the most overall points is awarded the House Cup. So Draco speaks up and notices Harry, and he's like, oh, the room is a true and introduces himself to him. Malfoy, Draco, Malfoy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ron thinks this is hilarious. 
and laughs at him, but Malfoy is like, oh, and you must be a Weasley. I can tell from your red hair and your hand-me-down robes. And ouch, <laughs> yeah. I'd be seething. Mm-hmm. And Malfoy tells Harry that he doesn't want him to go around making friends with the wrong kind of people, but he can help with that. And he extends his hand, but Harry rejects it. And he's like, I can tell who the wrong sort of people are for myself. McGonagall <laughs> comes back in for them and leads them into the Great Hall. Yes, so they walk through the Great Hall. Um, Hermione's spitting facts that she read in Hogwarts A History, talking about the ceiling, how it's bewitched. And McGonagall walks up to the sorting hat and says, before they begin, Professor Dumbledore would like to say a few words. So he makes some announcements, reminds everybody that the dark forest is forbidden to all students, and the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is off-limits to all those unless they wish to die a, like a miserable death or excruciating death, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to want to avoid that. <laughs> Then the sorting hat ceremony begins. Hermione, for some reason, is called up first. The order makes no sense. It's not alphabetical. No sense. <laughs> yeah. Hermione is called up. She tells herself to relax. Ron is like, that one's mental. And she is sorted into Gryffindor. Next up is Draco. Hat does not even touch his head. Immediate Slytherin. And I think it's at that point when Ron informs Harry that there's not a wizard who's gone bad, who hasn't been from Slytherin. Yes. Um, Which is pretty fucking insane. It's like, oh yeah, Gryffindors, they're brave. Ravenclaws, they're smart. Hufflepuffs, they're like kind. Slytherin, that's all the fucking evil kids. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck kind of school is this? It's like, they're like, oh, are you a bully? Do you have mean tendencies? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to Slytherin. Yeah. What house are you? I can't remember. I took the quiz once, like, a while back, mm-hmm. and I got Ravenclaw, but I would like to take it again. Yeah. I always felt an affinity for Ravenclaw. It's always what I gravitated towards, and then that was confirmed when I took the test. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ravenclaw through and through. Who is sorted next? Some chick named Susan. She's a Hufflepuff, whatever. <laughs> Meanwhile, Professor Snape starts staring at Harry, and Harry's like, ah, my scar, it's burning. What's going on there? Next up, Ron is sorted, and the hat's like, oh, another Weasley, eh? I know just what to do with you, puts him in Gryffindor with all of his siblings. And finally, Harry gets called up to the hat. So... The hat is like, hmm, difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind, either. There's talent, oh yes, and a thirst to prove yourself. But where to put you? And Harry is whispering to himself, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. And the hat's like, not Slytherin, eh? Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head, and Slytherin will help you on the way to greatness. There's no doubt about that. No. And Harry's like, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin. (laughs) No. no. He's like, well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor. And everybody claps and cheers, and Harry goes to join all the Gryffindors. 
I wonder if the hat really was considering Slytherin for him. I think so. I feel like there's there's a lot of parallels between like Harry and Draco in terms of like their Mm -hmm. personalities, uh, like at their core, actually quite similar. But the way that they were brought up and they're like, yeah, those kind of surrounding factors is where they differ. Like Draco could have easily chosen a different path, but he is such a product of like his family and his parents that that was never going to happen for him. Yeah. I'm just wondering, like, if in the books later on, do we ever see a side of Harry that's more like evil or no? Um, In the Half-Blood Prince, he gets really broody. Um, because Dumbledore kind of, like, shuts him out mm. and, like, stops talking to him. And also, like, Harry can tell that Draco and Snape are, like, up to something. And Harry ends up finding um, the potions book of the Half-Blood Prince, um, which was Snape's, like, book when, like, he was at Hogwarts with all these, like, spells that he created. And a lot of them were, like attack spells and harry uses one of them on malfoy and basically what it does is it like gives you like tons like a hundred different like cuts on your body and harry uses that on draco ouch yeah so like there's definitely some darkness that comes out for sure but overall like his moral compass does tend to like guide him in the right way is snape ultimately a good character (sighs) That's a loaded question. Um, okay. I'm personally, I'm not a Snape apologist. A lot of people are. Ultimately, like, what he was doing was, like, in service of keeping Harry safe. And, like, he was basically, like, an undercover agent. But also Undercover he, boss. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he did, like, act in a way towards Harry that was, like very abusive towards a child because he was kind of an incel because he was like in love with Harry's mom and she chose James Potter who bullied Snape but also Snape was like said some really horrible things to Lily and like called her a mudblood and like was upset that she didn't reciprocate his romantic feelings um and then became really cruel and then ended up joining Voldemort so you know so in the end he does he does join Voldemort. In the he so he joins Voldemort. He's working with Voldemort and then once Voldemort kills Lily, he goes to Dumbledore and he's like I'm switching sides now like he it's gone too far like Oh wow. And from then on like everything that he does with Dumbledore is in service of protecting Harry. Okay, interesting. Because of his love for Lily. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's it's complicated. Like, he does some good things, but also uh, he did behave in a way towards Harry that was not at all necessary because he hated his dad. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> With that being said, <laughs> Dumbledore commences the feast, and it looks pretty delicious. It looks so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I should have a feast. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of food just all throughout these super duper long tables. And um, Ron shovels some chicken into his face. My favorite is the double fisting of the drumsticks. Yeah, the yeah. drumsticks. <laughs> Harry asks Percy who the teacher talking to Professor Quirrell is. And Percy's like, oh, that's Professor Snape. He teaches potions, but everyone knows he fancies the dark arts. Mm. 
and he tells Harry he's been after Coral's job for years. So after dinner, the Gryffindors head towards their dorm, led by Percy. Percy tells them to keep an eye on the staircases because they like to change direction. And they walk by all these moving paintings, very magical. And they arrive at the painting of the fat lady, is what she's called in the books. Um, Just that's her name. They tell her the password. She lets them in. And it reveals Gryffindor Tower where the Gryffindor common room is. So Percy shows them where their rooms are, and everyone goes off to bed. In the morning, a cat sits on the podium in class, and Ron and Harry run, run, run. Ron tells Harry he can't imagine the look on McGonagall's face if they were late, and she transforms back into her human form, and she asks if it would be better to turn them into a pocket watch or perhaps a map. Um, because then maybe they would be on time. So we then go into potions class where Snape is making this like grandiose speech. Alan Rickman is incredible in this role, obviously, but he's like, you know, there won't be, we won't be doing any wand waving or silly incantations. You know, potion making isn't for everyone, but the few who possess the predisposition. I'll be able to show you how to bewitch the mind, ensnare the senses, like put a stopper in death, all this stuff. And Harry is just taking notes. He's writing what he's writing down what Snape's saying. Literally writing (laughs) what the teacher is saying. He's like, put a stopper in death. (laughs) So Snape takes this moment to call Harry out and he asks him a bunch of questions about like different potions, different ingredients. Hermione is furiously raising her hand because she knows the answers to everything. Pick me, pick me. Pick me, Mr. Professor Snape. And uh, Harry doesn't know. And Snape just goes, pity. Clearly fame isn't everything. Is it, Mr. Potter? Ouch. So not starting off on the best foot. At lunch, Seamus tries to turn his water into rum, but he ends up just like creating a small explosion that gets soot all over his face and his hair's sticking up on its end. And the students get their mail. Um, all these owls like, you know, fly through the hall. They shit all over the food. Everyone's really excited. <laughs> Neville receives a remember ball. And Hermione's like, oh, that's a remember. That turns red uh, when you've forgotten something. And Devil's like, but I can't remember what I've forgotten. <laughs> then Harry oh. reads the newspaper that was delivered to Ron. And it says that someone broke into Gringotts. And he reads the article. Nothing was actually stolen. But it was Vault 713. And it was emptied earlier that day. Uh, Harry is like, damn, that's crazy (laughs) because that is the vault that Hagrid went into and took something out of. Clearly, Gringotts isn't quite as safe as we were led to believe. Harry, make sure to check that bank account, man. Mm -hmm. Get on that app. Yeah. (laughs) Make sure you get that online banking. (laughs) Did you go paperless, Harry? Mm Mm-hmm. So then we go to flying lessons with Madame Hooch. So Gryffindor and Slytherin are having a little combined class situation. And, you know, Madame Hooch teaches them how to lift their brooms. They just have to say, up. Harry's flies into his hand immediately. 
And shockingly enough, this is the closest that we get to seeing Harry actually cast a spell in this entire movie. We never see him casting a spell. He only does accidental magic. Yeah, he never even tries out spells like Ron and Hermione. Yeah. Will like noodle around, but Harry's like, nah. Yeah, I'm good. (laughs) He's like, I'm the boy who lived. I don't need to fucking lift a finger. So she then shows them how to mount their brooms, and she's like, all you got to do is get up, hover for a moment, come back down. But Neville's broom has a mind of its own. It starts lifting off the ground and soaring around the air uncontrollably. It, like, zooms towards the sky. Boy crashes into a wall several times. The special effects are looking a little rough at this point. It's looking a little bit like a video game. But not it's a good one. <laughs> certainly. Certainly. I would have to agree with you there. Did you ever play like the Harry Potter like computer game? Like not an online game, but like the like the video game? Oh no. I, I don't think I did. The graphics for that, they're interesting to look at now. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the director said that the CGI was like not up to mm. par with what he wanted and yeah. he wanted it to be better like the next movie. Yeah. I'm like, you know, if I could sit through Shrek and still enjoy it, like, mm-hmm. who cares? Yeah. Because if you go back and watch the original <laughs> Shrek, mm-hmm. it's actually crazy. Yeah. It is crazy how, like, low quality it is. Mm-hmm. Especially when you compare it to the second one, which looks great, like, still. The second one still looks mm. really good. It's pretty wild. But, yeah, Neville... He's struggling out there. He then starts, like, zooming towards the class. And fucking Madame Hooch, instead of doing anything useful, like casting any sort of spells this whole time to stop him, as he is barreling towards these children, she just jumps out of the way. She's like, peace. I'm out. What? (laughs) She said, fuck them kids. And uh, Neville, you know, continues to zoom upwards. He ends up, like, getting his rope robe like caught on this statue thing and falls to the ground no thanks to hooch once again for like helping him out in any way so she runs over sees that he has a broken wrist so she tells everybody to stay on the ground while she takes him to the hospital wing and she catches anybody on a broom they're gonna be expelled a year done you're out of here you're done so neville just kidding Draco. (laughs) Draco Malfoy. Do people call him, people call him Malfoy, right? Yeah. That's like. Yeah. So Malfoy has picked up Neville's remember and he tells everyone that if Neville had remembered to give it a squeeze, he might have remembered to land on his ass. Talking shit. Yeah. Taking things. And Harry's like, give me the ball back. Malfoy's like, no, I'll leave it somewhere for Neville to find. And Draco takes off and taunts Harry. Harry decides, you know what? I'm going to come after him. <laughs> so he flies off on his broomstick and follows Malfoy, much to Hermione's chagrin. She's yeah. like, you're going to get us in trouble. We're going <laughs> to lose our points. And I literally am wondering, like, what is the point of the point to get a trophy? Yeah, I like, think it's, fuck off. it's like a pride. It's a pride thing. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So he tells him to give it here or he'll knock him off his broom. Malfoy tosses the remember the remembral and Harry zips over to the castle to catch it, which he does. 
And mm-hmm. McGonagall sees this feat from her office. So Harry comes back to his classmates and they all cheer for him. It's like a really, uh, you know, congratulatory moment. And he holds up the ball in triumph just as McGonagall walks out onto the field and tells Harry to come with her. Yes. So she takes him to Professor Quirrell's class and she's like can i borrow wood please and i remember how this is described in the book like harry thinks that wood is like literally like something that she's going to hit him with like he thinks that he's about <laughs> to get some like corporal punishment but it's just, lashings. Yeah, it's just oliver wood um who i definitely had a crush on as a child while watching this movie he's pretty attractive yeah he was a cutie and she's like oliver I found you a new seeker for the Quidditch team. So very exciting development. We hear all the ghosts gossiping about how Harry is the new Gryffindor seeker. Um, Ron is super excited that like freshmen never, ever make the house team. So like this is a really big deal. And he's the youngest seeker to make the team in a century. So. Whoa. Pretty big. That's when Fred and George come up to Harry. They congratulate him. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're on the team, too. We're beaters. That means, like, our job is to make sure you don't get bloodied up too bad. But, you know, can't make any promises. But don't worry. Like, nobody's died in years. Sometimes people disappear, but, you know, they turn up eventually. So (laughs) Harry's feeling a little bit nervous. And like, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you for those reassuring words. And Hermione runs up to them and she's like, don't worry, you're not going to make a fool of yourself. It's in your blood. I will say, just generally speaking, there's a pretty big lack of, um, you know, safety of the students. Absolutely. They're very uh, cavalier with the lives and uh, (laughs) safety of these children. (laughs) Neville breaks his arm. We'll get into it later on, Mm -hmm. but I mean, like. The Quidditch matches are the brutal. The Quidditch game is insane. <laughs> they the thing in the forest later yeah. on, like there is a lot happening here. Yeah, I think that Hogwarts needs to be investigated. I don't think everything <laughs> is up to code. I wonder though if in the magical world there is a bigger like disregard for that sort of stuff because they do mm. like plan broomsticks and yeah. they have like it's a different. Um, I guess, mindset, yeah. if you want to say it like that. The the threshold for, like, what is dangerous is probably um, higher just because they have so many ways to, like, fix. Yeah. If you, like, break an arm, like, you don't have to wait for it to heal for, like, months and months. Like, they have spells and, like, mm-hmm. different potions and stuff to speed things along. Um, like, in the second movie... Gilderoy Lockhart does a spell that removes the bone from Harry's arm. So he has to do Skelligrow, which like regrows a bone in your arm. So like they have fixes, I suppose. So things don't seem as dangerous. But for us civilians, us muggles watching, I'm like, I'm like, you're letting letting these children fall to their deaths. (laughs) (laughs) So Hermione is like, yeah, I said it's in your blood. Let me take you to the plaque because I know this school like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. And it turns out Harry's father was also a seeker. And Ron is like, oh, that's spooky. Hermione knows more about him than he does. <laughs> <laughs> Devastating. Mm-hmm. Someone should sit Harry down and just be like, here's, you know, some information about your yeah. parents. They were so lovely. Like, 
Here are some memories we have of them. So the kids go back to the staircase and the flight moves before they're able to get off of it. And it actually stops in front of a door. And they're like, why not? Let's go in. Mm. And once they step inside, Ron is like, should we not be here? And Hermione's like, well, we're not supposed to be here because it's the forbidden third floor that we were warned about. Harry's like, we should go. They hear a meow. It's Filch's cat. So they run to leave, but the door is locked. Hermione undoes it with her magic. And Filch checks on the corridor, but the kids are behind the door. So they find a three-headed dog (laughs) sleeping behind the door. Immediately they scream and leave, shutting the door behind them, just avoiding their death. Mm -hmm. Ron is like, why is this here? And Hermione says that they were standing on a trap door, so it's probably guarding something. Mm -hmm. Then she excuses herself to go to bed before they get expelled. Oh, yeah, the classic line. Now, if you two don't mind, I'm going to bed before either of you come up with another clever idea to get us killed or worse, expelled. (laughs) And then Ron says his classic line, she needs to sort out her priorities. They're in love, they're in love. So the next day, we have a, a big old scene of exposition where Oliver Wood explains to us all the rules of Quidditch. Basically... Each team has seven players. There's three chasers, two beaters, one keeper, and a seeker. There are three kinds of balls, the quaffle, the chasers handle those, and you try and get it through the hoop. And the keeper guards the hoop. Kind of like, you know, soccer. Then there are bludgers, which are these, like, enchanted little black, kind of, I think they're, like, metal balls that, like, fly around yeah. on their own. And basically they try to, like... They look almost like like bronze or something. Mm, yeah, they try to like attack the players. So it's the beater's job to have a bat to like hit them away to protect the other players. And then lastly, the seeker, which is Harry's position, all he needs to care about is the golden snitch. So it's this tiny little gold ball, kind of like the size of like maybe a little bit bigger than a ping pong ball, but smaller than a tennis ball. Yeah. All he has to do is catch it before the other team seeker does. And once it, the snitch is caught, the game is over. And I think it's worth mm-hmm. like 150 points. Yeah. Pretty much whoever catches the snitch wins, unless by some fucking insane miracle, the other team is up by more than 150 points. So we go to Professor Fitx class, and he is teaching them how to levitate a feather. Ron is going off the rails. Hermione chimes in and she's like, stop, stop, stop. You're going to take someone's eye out. Besides, you're saying it wrong. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. (laughs) And she does the spell. Ron is already pissed off Mm -hmm. by her know-it-all attitude. And this is like the icing on the cake. So outside, he starts mocking Hermione. He's like, no wonder she hasn't got any friends. And I will say they all giggle, even though Ron mm-hmm. is the only one talking. Yeah. And of course she hears, because this is a plot device, mm-hmm. and she pushes past them and, like, wipes away her tears. Yeah. So the next thing we know, it's Halloween. Everyone is enjoying Whoa, a feast. Time jump. Crazy. 
Um, yeah, everyone's having a great time eating all this lovely food, except for Hermione, who refuses to come out of the girls' bathroom. She's been in there crying all afternoon. Ron hears this and is just kind of like, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, doesn't really feel any remorse. Big old shrug. Yeah. <laughs> then Professor Quirrell, I keep tripping over this man's name, bursts into the Great Hall and is like, troll, troll in the dungeon, troll in the dungeon. <laughs> Thought you ought to know. And then faints. So everyone starts screaming, freaking out. We have like a great shot of Draco like mouth agape screaming that little boy looks so funny with his hair all slicked back (laughs) he does it's so like i can just imagine how crunchy it is like there must be so much gel in there oh yeah so dumbledore calms the crowd and has all the prefects lead all the students back to their dorms while the teachers go down to the dungeon to deal with the troll but as they're heading back, Harry is like, oh my god, Hermione's still in the bathroom. She doesn't know about the troll. So him and Ron run off to go find her. I guess that's one of the downfalls of having school in like a historic castle because you can't like ring an alarm yeah. because there's no like alarm system. But also they're magic. I know. I'm just like, you didn't check the bathroom? Yeah. There's an attack? That seems like regular protocol. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least... It- in the schools I went to growing up, there was the um, loudspeaker mm. stuff, even in the bathroom. Yeah. So, like, you would be able to hear an important announcement, mm-hmm. but neither here nor yeah. there. So, Ron and um, – what's his name? Oh, Harry <laughs> Potter. Yeah, they go into the hallway, but they see the troll go into the girl's bathroom. And in the bathroom, Hermione comes out of the stall, literally face-to-face or, like, face-to-cav <laughs> – of the troll and it raises its club to smash the tops of all the stalls it destroys the bathroom and harry and ron come in they start throwing wood at the troll to distract him while hermione hides under a sink but the troll hits the sink with his club and just misses her head harry pulls up his wand and um he charges at the troll but he gets lifted up into the air landing on the troll's head and sticks his wand up the troll's nose. Nasty. Pretty, you know, interesting tactics happening. Still not casting a damn spell. Mm-hmm. The troll ends up holding Harry upside down by his leg and tries to smack him with his club while Harry begs Ron to do something. Hermione reminds him to swish and flick, and Ron manages to levitate the club and have it come crashing down on the troll's head. So the club, you know, knocks into a skull and the troll is passed out. Harry escapes before he crashes and retrieves his snot-covered wand. Finally, we get some adult supervision. <laughs> the teachers come in. Hermione does take the blame, which I think is pretty, like, you know, good friend of mm-hmm. her. And she says that she'd read about trolls and thought she could take it on herself. So she went and found the troll and she would be dead if like the boys didn't come and help her. McGonagall is shocked by this irrational behavior. She takes away five points, but rewards Harry and Ron with five points each for sheer dumb luck. Yeah. (laughs) So the next day at breakfast, Ron and Hermione are trying to get Harry to eat something before his Quidditch game, but he is far too nervous and that's when Snape comes up and wishes Harry good luck and says that now that he's taken on a troll, 
a Quidditch match should be easy, even against Slytherin. And as Snape walks off, Harry notices that he's limping, and Harry gets this theory that Snape is the one who let the troll into Hogwarts as a diversion Mm -hmm. so he could get past the three-headed dog, but he got bitten, and that's why he's limping. That is his theory. Yeah, it all comes together very quickly. And Harry's like, you know, whatever Hagrid took from Gringotts, that's what has to be on the other side of that trap door. That's what Snape wants. And just then, Hedwig flies in with a parcel for Harry, and they're like, Let's open it. I wonder what it is. It's literally in the shape of a broom. It's literally in the shape of a broom. (laughs) What else could it be? They're like, oh my God, a really long poster. (laughs) It's a mop for cleaning. Like what? (laughs) Yeah. It's a Swiffer, Harry. Look, there's disposable sheets too. But um, yeah, long story short, What Harry got is, in fact, the Nimbus 2000, and it was a gift from McGonagall. And I'm like, on a teacher's salary? This boy is rich. He can buy his own (laughs) Nimbus 2000. I hope they're paying her well, at least. I know. The Quidditch match. (laughs) Gryffindor is about to head out onto the field, and Harry's, like, very nervous. Oliver's like, don't worry, Harry. I felt the same way before my first game. Not that I really remember it because I got hit in the head with a bludger two minutes in. And like, yikes. That's not what you say, yeah. first of all. But they go out onto the field. Gryffindor starts out very strong. Uh, I think they get like 20 points off the bat. And then Slytherin mm-hmm. is like, okay, we got to ramp up our tactics. So they play dirty. They hit a bludger directly at Oliver, who plummets to the ground, knocked out. No foul, like no pausing mm-hmm. the game. It's just like he's down. Let's let's keep going. This man falls like tw- more than twenty feet, and everyone's just like, "Oh man!" Everyone's like, "Boo!" <laughs> yeah, plummets to his death, and everyone's like, "Nah, what are you gonna do?" Yeah. Then they get Angela Johnson to fall to her death, mm-hmm. and Slytherin begins to take the lead. Harry ends up catching a glimpse of the golden snitch and starts chasing after it. When his broom starts bucking and, like, moving around, he can't control it. Yeah. So Hermione looks through her binoculars, perchance, and sees Snape muttering. She's like, Ron, he's jinxing the broom. So she decides to take matters into her own hands. Meanwhile, Harry is literally hanging on to his broom with one hand. And Hermione sneaks under Snape's seat and lights his cloak on fire. Then... He breaks his focus on Harry as he knocks into Quirrell and tries to put out the fire. Harry's broom starts cooperating again and he climbs back on. He and the Slytherin Seeker start going after the snitch. They're like neck and neck. The snitch is going right towards the ground. So they do like a total 90 degree um, like fall towards the snitch and the seeker on Slytherin as they get closer to the ground. He's like more worried, more worried. Harry not budging. <laughs> he's like, it's all or nothing, baby. The unbridled confidence of this 11 year old child. I know I was not that confident <laughs> on 11. It also doesn't seem like they've ever had a practice. Like this really seems like it's his first. I know. Experience playing the game ever. He's like not doing any but- homework. <laughs> He's not practicing Quidditch. He's spending all his time Mm -hmm. 
putting his little tiny 11-year-old nose in other people's business. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> he keeps going for the snitch. Slytherin Seeker backed out. He gets to the basically like almost the ground and he immediately like tips his broom up so he can keep going. What he ends up doing is like standing on his broomstick and trying like to like a surfboard. Yes. <laughs> and trying to like catch the snitch with his hand and he ends up tumbling to the ground. But when he gets up, he starts gagging. And what comes out is the golden snitch. Wow. Wow. Gryffindor wins. <laughs> if I went to this school, I'd be like, this kid has too much. Like, not only is he the boy who lived, but he's also, like, the youngest fucking Quidditch star in a century. That's way too much. Like, I mean, I guess he's, like, the chosen one. Or is it Neville Longbottom? Oh, it could have been. We'll never know. Oh, I love Neville. I also kind of wanted, like, Neville and Luna to end up together. Like, I thought that would have been really cute. You're really gunning for a happy ending for her. I just, I love her so much. She's my fave. She's my Ravenclaw gal. And uh, she's also the perfect example because people are always like, Hermione should have been in Ravenclaw. And I'm like, no, she shouldn't have because Hermione is not nearly as, like, like, yeah, she's very academically inclined, but... The thing about Ravenclaws is that they're very, like, curious, and they always want to, like, learn more stuff without judgment. Like, Hermione's not as open-minded yeah, as somebody like Luna, because um, she was kind of rude to her, in my opinion. Why? What did she do? She would just kind of, like, make fun of her. Like, at one point, she was like, oh, this is Looney Love... I mean, Luna Lovegood. Like, almost called her Looney to oh, her face. Oh, she's supposed to be, like, kind of odd? Yeah, she's, like, you know, a little bit offbeat, a little bit different. But, yeah. Hermione also, I think that her her thirst for knowledge comes from a place of, like, wanting to prove that she's the best at things, not necessarily, oh, like, yeah. I want to learn. It's, like, I want, I have, like, a superiority complex, you know? Certainly. Mm-hmm. But anyways, after this Quidditch victory... The trio, they are walking with Hagrid and basically talking about this whole, like, Snape sabotaging Harry at the Quidditch match thing. Hagrid doesn't believe that Snape would do this. And then they mention the three-headed dog and, like, that Snape was trying to get around it. And Hagrid is like, um, excuse me, how do you know about Fluffy? He is my dog, and I did lend him to Dumbledore to guard. Oh, never mind. No more questions. That's top secret. (laughs) He's like, uh, Uh, pretend I never said that. Yeah. I love Hagrid. He is the sweetest soul. So kind. So wonderful. But dear God, cannot trust this man Mm -mm. with anything. He's got a, a set of loose lips, if you will. Yeah. So Harry's like, no, I promise you, whatever's in there, Snape is trying to steal it. And Hagrid's like, you're wrong. You're meddling in things you shouldn't. What's in that trap door is between Dumbledore and Nicholas Flamel. Whoopsies. Shouldn't have said that either. <laughs> Actually, did I say Nicholas Flamel? I said... I said schmickelish schmillion. Boy, it smells like hell. Nice say. <laughs> Um, sorry, I'm thinking of another one. Did I say Nicholas Flamel? No, I said knee. Colas? Flame. What about it? <laughs> Flame. L. <laughs> um, so 
Fast forward to Christmas. Yeah, sure. Fast forward just straight to Christmas. <laughs> Harry and Ron are playing wizard's chest, which is normal chess except the pieces move themselves and then they destroy each other. Mm-hmm. And Hermione tells them that it's barbaric, but who cares? <laughs> and both Harry and Ron are staying at Hogwarts over Christmas because Ron's like, oh, it's been a change of plans. My parents are visiting Charlie in Romania. He's studying dragons. <laughs> and Hermione's like, that's perfect because then you can both check the restricted section of the library for a mention of Nicholas Flamel. That was really <laughs> harsh. That was like crazy. I can't believe I just did that. But that was like Hermione if she's like a 90-year-old like smoker old woman. <laughs> that was crazy to me. Wow. But yeah, I'm surprised Hermione's going back for a Christmas break because her parents hate her. Her parents don't hate her. Hermione? Yeah. Oh, I thought that her she had like you're looking at me with the furrowed brows, and I don't sorry, like it. Sorry, I was like... <laughs> because isn't there a thing, there's a controversy with, like, her, both of her parents not doing magic? Her parents are just muggles. But doesn't she, like, do a spell a little, like, a couple movies later where she, where she makes her parents forget her? Yeah, to protect them. Oh, to protect them. Yeah. I thought she had, like, yeah. mommy and daddy issues. No, no. She like has a really great relationship with her parents. Um, wow. She she makes them forget her uh, in Deathly Hallows to protect them because that's so sad. Shit's about to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really sad. Do we get to see her parents before that movie at all? Like in the mo- no. movies? Okay. No, just, just the books. Ones. Or you don't even really see them or meet them. I don't think at all in the books. Okay. Damn. But there is the scene where, like, where Hermione makes them forget her, which is really sad. Wow. Yeah. So. (laughs) Christmas. Christmas Day. Harry and Ron enjoy Christmas morning together. It is the first time Harry has ever had presents. Ron's mom knitted him a sweater. Oh. Very cute. Harry also has a mystery present with a note saying, Your father left this in my possession before he died. It is time it was returned to you. Use it well. Mm. And what could it be but an invisibility cloak? Pretty crazy. Yeah. For the fact that he's like a student in (laughs) a school and there's like dark magic about. Seems like a pretty big responsibility to give a kid. Yeah, very much so. Um, They're like, guards are so expensive. What if we use the boy that lived? (laughs) Yeah. What if we have this 11-year-old child just step in for a moment? So where are we? What happens next? What are we talking about? We're in the library. We're in the library. It's the dead of night. Harry uses his invisibility cloak to sneak into the restricted section. He picks up this book, opens it up. A face appears and starts screaming at him. So he pretty funny to me. It. <laughs> it's like gotta be quiet. Gotta be quiet. <laughs> So he shuts that shit, puts it back. But Filch has already heard him. He's on his way. So Harry while he's bolting out of there, accidentally knocks over his lamp and it shatters. You're leaving evidence in your trail. And he manages to make it to the hall where he stumbles upon 
a convo between Snape and Quirrell, and Snape like shoves him against the wall and is like they kiss, <laughs> and then they start furiously making out. That's a fan fiction. Oh, I'm positive <laughs> it's a fan fiction. I am positive that there is a fan fiction between Snape, Quirrell, and Voldemort on the back of his fucking head. Like <laughs> there is some sort of thruple situation. I'm sure someone has written about it. Someone send that to us. <laughs> Pro- Proof is right. Mm-hmm. Basically, any single pairing of two individuals in the Harry Potter universe, I guarantee there's a fic about them out there. There must be a bunch about Harry and Ron. Oh, for sure. There's probably even ones about, like, fucking Fred and George. Like That's inappropriate. Absolutely, it's inappropriate. (laughs) The amount of inappropriate fan fictions about Harry Potter that are out there, there's no number to count them all. It's insane. I miss reading Jonas Brothers fan fiction. Uh, I was a One Direction fan fiction girl myself. I read a couple of those where it's like mm-hmm. you're in London and you you run into the store. A guy knocks into you. You're like, watch where you're going. He's like, oh, I'm he's sorry. Like, sorry, yeah. Love. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his green eyes twinkle. His green orbs twinkle. He's never seen like. anyone like you. He's like, you're beautiful. He's like, has you anyone don't ever know told you that? <laughs> She's like, no, I was just reading my book. <laughs> I love reading. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, what are you reading? Oh, oh my gosh. god, that's my favorite book. <laughs> if anyone out there read the Harry Styles fan fiction Dark back in like 2013, 2014, please DM me immediately. That's all I have to say because that was my favorite one. So you have, toxic. Please DM her personal Instagram, actually. <laughs> yeah, please, please DM me personally, and we can chat about it. <laughs> anyways Snape and Quirrell they're having their moment Snape is like you don't want me as your enemy watch your back and then he senses something so he reaches out to grab the air but Harry steps back just in time so he turns back to Quirrell and he's like we'll have another chat soon once you've decided where your loyalties lie oh my gosh so something's going on there and then filch comes over and he's like i found this broken lamp there's a student out of bed so they all leave they rush. And harry goes they rush off and harry goes through a door to hide they never notice that someone's out of their bed apparently yeah they didn't go like check. they never check <laughs> <laughs> but in this room that harry has gone in it's completely empty except for a giant mirror Harry looks in the mirror and he sees his mother and father standing behind him. Wow. Just like smiling and his mother puts her hand on his shoulder in the reflection and Harry puts his hand there as if he's trying to feel it, but it's just Mm. in the mirror. So he runs back to the dorm, wakes up Ron. He's like, you have to look in the mirror. You have to look in it. Like, do you see my mom and dad? But Ron actually sees himself as the head boy and Quidditch captain. I'm like, you're not even on the team, honey. (laughs) And he is holding the Quidditch cup. So he asks if the mirror shows the future, but Harry's like, no, it definitely does not because my parents are dead. Really sad. It is really sad. Do you know what's wild? Hmm. How old? What's your guess of how old James and Lily were when they died? From the way that you're posing the question, I want to say like 25. 21. That's yeah. not realistic. It's pretty insane. So that means what? they had Harry when they were like 20. 
That's ridiculous. Married right out of Hogwarts. I'm sure timelines, like the the pain threshold thing we talked about is different there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely could not be me because I'm Mm -hmm. already older than that. Yeah. So yeah, like by the time we get to the last book, Harry is only a couple years younger than his parents were when they died. What the hell? Yeah. It's crazy. Pretty insane. So later on, we fla- we like flash forward to another night. Harry is once again sitting in front of the mirror of Irised, and Dumbledore comes into the room and he's like, ah, you've discovered the mirror of Irised. I see you understand what it does. It shows us the deepest and most desperate desires of our hearts. But the mirror gives neither knowledge nor truth, and men have wasted away in front of it, mm-hmm. which is why tomorrow it's going to a new home. And Dumbledore asks Harry not to look for it. It does not do well to dwell on dreams, Harry, and forget to live. Later on in the library, Hermione walks in. She's like, I had you looking in the wrong section. How could I be so stupid? (laughs) I checked this out a few weeks ago for some light reading. In case you couldn't tell by those sound effects, that's her dropping it, the biggest book on the fucking planet. She drops the book, the the table breaks. Yeah. A bit of light reading. You're done. And Hermione reads them a passage about how Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. And the stone can turn any metal into pure gold and produces the elixir of life, which makes the drinker immortal. (gasps) <gasps> and she says that that's what Fluffy is guarding on the third floor. Or maybe Harry says that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. One of the kids. One of those rascals. So they rush over to Hagrid's door. They're like, we know about the Philosopher's Stone. So he's like, all right, I guess I'll let you in. And they say once again, you know, Snape is trying to steal it. But Hagrid is like, no, Snape is literally one of the teachers protecting it. He's not stealing it. And Hermione's like, oh, of course, there must be other spells and enchantments guarding, you know, the stone. But Hagrid says that it's a waste of time if you ask him, because the only two people that know how to get past Fluffy are him and Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. Then Hagrid's cauldron starts to rattle. So he goes to grab something from it. What does he grab? It's an egg. Not just any egg, though. It's a dragon egg. Wow. Apparently, he won it off a stranger at the pub, and it hatches to reveal a baby Norwegian Ridgeback, who Hagrid names Norbert. Really cute dragon. Yes, it's just a little baby learning how to move around. And after this wonderful moment, Hagrid looks to the window and sees a ghostly pale child with bleach blonde hair watching them. It's Malfoy. He's flying through the window. <laughs> it's a ghost. Draco Malfoy here. <laughs> um, so back in the hallway, Harry talks about how Hagrid has always wanted a dragon, and they are stopped by McGonagall. Behind her, of course, Malfoy. She reprimands them in her classroom for breaking the rules, and they lose 50 points each as well as Mm. detention for all four of them because Malfoy broke the rules too. And he's like, yeah. 
So it comes time for them to serve their detention. They're serving it with Hagrid in the forest tonight. Hagrid is still very upset by the loss of his dragon. Draco, terrified. Absolutely fucking terrified of going into the forest. Just he's like, like a dog with his tail between his legs. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's werewolves. And Filch is like, there's a lot more than that in there. Nighty night and heads off. <laughs> so they start to walk through the forest where Hagrid comes across a silver puddle. So he dips his fingers in it and he tells the kids that it's unicorn blood. And that's why they're here. Because he found a dead unicorn a few weeks ago. Clearly, like, another one has been injured, so they have to go find it. And for some godforsaken reason. I know. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Let's split up. I'm going to send two children off into what is literally called the Forbidden Forest. That shit's crazy. He's like, yeah, Harry and Draco, you two will be fine on your own. Ron and Hermione, you're with me. And so they split up, (laughs) which is crazy. It's insane. So, yeah, they split up. In the forest, Malfoy complains about how this is servants' work, and he's going to, like, complain to his dad, yada, yada. And then he hears something. So they walk towards the noise, and they see this figure drinking unicorn's blood. Malfoy is immediately spooked. He runs away. But Harry doesn't. The figure, like, kind of, like, rises, like, stands up and walks towards Harry and Harry walks backwards. He he trips. He kind of like corners himself. There's nowhere to run. And a centaur comes out of nowhere and scares the figure away. And then he's like, I advise you to leave because you're known to many creatures here. And the forest is not safe at this time. Harry asks what he saved him from. And Ferenc says that it's a terrible crime to drink a unicorn's blood. Drinking the blood of a unicorn will keep you alive even if you are an inch from death, but at a terrible price. You have slain something so pure that the moment the blood touches your lips, you will have a half-life, a cursed life. Wow. We were just talking about this in the Stardust episode. Yeah. Unicorn imagery comes up again. Um, and one of our listeners on TikTok, uh, Fresh Ginger, did say that in the Stardust book, it is explained that unicorns and like stars are aligned. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. They are allies. Very pure creatures in mm-hmm. multiple movies. Yeah. So Harry's like... Who would choose such a life? And Ferenz insinuates that the man drinking the blood was Voldemort. That's crazy. Yeah. That's insane. That's suspicious. That's weird. Wild. He asks if Harry knows what's hidden in the school right now. And Harry's like, the sorcerer's stone. And Hagrid comes back. You know, the kids reunite. They ask Harry if he's all right. And Hagrid's like, I don't know. He says hi. Like, he knows who Ferenz is. Yeah, he, like, thanks him. Yeah. yeah. Ferenz leaves, and they all see the slain unicorn. Harry tells them that they got it all wrong. Snape doesn't want the stone for himself. He wants it for Voldemort. Then he'll be strong, and he'll be able to come back. And Hermione's like, but we're all forgetting one thing. There's one wizard that Voldemort always feared. 
Dumbledore. As long as he's around, Harry, you're safe. You can't be touched. Which is a bold claim because this dude was literally almost just murdered. Um, and Dumbledore is, in fact, still around. But whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Whatever. <laughs> so it's exam season. The kids are walking about. Harry's scar keeps burning. He's like, I think this is a warning. I feel like danger's coming. They notice Hagrid on the stoop of his hut playing the flute. And he's like, hmm, don't you think it's a bit odd that what Hagrid wants more than anything is a dragon and some stranger turns up who just happens to have one? I mean, how many people wander about with dragon eggs in their pockets? Why didn't I see it before? So they run over to Hagrid and they ask if the man who gave him the dragon egg asked him anything else or if he like caught a glimpse of him. And Hagrid's like, no, like he kept his hood up, but he did ask me if I have any other magical creatures. And I was like, oh yeah, fluffy. And he's like, I know. (laughs) Hagrid, you're breaking my heart. Stupid, stupid. (laughs) And he says that, the key to any beast is to know how to calm them. For example, a little music and Fluffy falls right to sleep. And Hagrid's like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Are you kidding me? Breaking my fucking heart, Hagrid. Come He's on. He's just so sweet. He's so sweet. He's too sweet for his own good. So obviously the trio rushes over to McGonagall and they're like, we need to talk to Gun. Gumbledore, Jesus, Dumbledore, immediately. Would you say, like, Gumbledore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk to Gumbledore right fucking now. And she's like, oh, he's not here. He received an urgent owl from the ministry and immediately left for London. Don't know what to tell you. They're like, are you fucking joking? Are you fucking kidding me right now? Of all times. So... Harry's like, but this is important. It's about the Philosopher's Stone. Someone's trying to steal it. And she's like, um, I don't know how you know about the stone. Not going to go into detail about that, but it is perfectly safe. And go back to your dorms right now. Aye, aye, aye. Harry thinks that Snape gave Hagrid the egg, and now he knows how to get past Fluffy. Snape comes up to them, and he's like, what are students like you doing inside on a day like this? And Hermione's like, and Snape is like, you better be careful. People might think that you're up to something. And she's like, Harry, what do we do now? And he's like, tonight we go down the trap door. And I don't know. If it's like the gestures or like the overall like body language of Snape, mm-hmm. but I just feel like it would be really great fodder for like a drag queen act. Oh yeah, I've definitely seen a lot of like TikTok videos of like Harry Potter drag, mm-hmm. like people d- doing Snape, doing like Voldemort. There's a lot of like cape. I think action. I've seen a Voldemort one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, I love the delivery of that line where he's like, "People will think you're." to something and he's I'm like, like the longest pause brushing his hair out of his like face his like emo yeah. eyes he's such an emo boy my god yeah so that night the trio makes their way into the common room they're about to sneak out when who is sitting there in the chair godfather style but sweet neville longbottom i oh, love him 
love that king. So he's like, you guys are going to sneak out again, aren't you? I'm not going to let you. Like, you're getting Gryffindor in trouble again. And he even stands up and he's like, I'll, I'll, fight, I'll you. fight you. I'll fight you. With his little weak little fess. Oh, he's so sweet and so pure. And what does Hermione do? She's like, I'm really sorry, Neville, but she puts him in a full body bind and mm-hmm. man just goes crashing on his back. Well, you couldn't have sat him down. You made him a little more comfortable. <laughs> um, who does Neville end up having a girlfriend or no? He takes Ginny to the Yule Ball. Okay. And they dance all night. Cute, cute. I don't. Other than that, I don't think he has anything in the book with anybody that I can recall. Okay. They, like, hint at a romance between him and Luna in, I think, like, the fifth one. But, no, he doesn't really have any, okay. any girlfriends. Yeah. Or boyfriends. And now that we've covered so, that. Yes. Now <laughs> that we've covered that detail from the fourth movie. Um yeah, so they have put Neville in this full body bind and just walk past him. But at least on their way out, they're like, sorry, Neville. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So what do they do? Put on that invisibility cloak and enter the room with Fluffy. But Fluffy is already snoring and there is a magic harp playing. So they're mm. like, oh, no, someone's been here before. They go to move the paw that's over the trap door. Um, They push it off and open the door. Harry's like, okay, I'll go first. Don't go until I give you the okay. They notice that the harp has stopped playing and Fluffy Mm -hmm. drools all over Ron. Like, it's so nasty, (laughs) the amount of drool that's on this boy's shoulder. But they all have to jump right down because they cannot hang out in that Mm -hmm. room anymore. So they land into a pit of all these, like, black vines, which cushion their fall. But the vines start to move and literally strangle them. And Hermione is like, stop moving. It's Devil's Snare. You have to relax or it'll just kill you faster. And Ron is freaking the fuck out. He's like, kill us faster. Oh, now I can relax. Honestly, Rupert Grint. He's so good in this. He's he, really, like, really funny. He goes for it. He's taking, he's making bold choices. Yeah. He's going for that physical comedy. Um, I really enjoyed his performance. Honestly, throughout all of the films, I feel like he does a really nice job of having these, like, more comedic moments. But when he goes internal, like, especially in, like, the later ones, like, Deathly Hallows, I think he plays it really, really well. Mm-hmm. So, underrated performance, I feel, in, in this series yeah but yeah he's losing it hermione relaxes and she gets sucked down below all of the vines and she's yelling up then she's like just trust me you need to relax so harry relaxes he gets sucked through and lands on the ground below the vines next to hermione safe and sound ron refuses to relax super stubborn i did look up their charts before well not their charts but just like their (laughs) sun signs before we started this and yeah. um, Harry is a Leo, obviously. Hermione is a Virgo, obviously. And um, <laughs> Harry is, I'm sorry, Ron is a Pisces, which is interesting. But mm. I was like, mm, you know what? I feel a water sign makes sense. I would have to know the rest of his chart, but mm-hmm. he does get in his feelings when he gets in his feelings. So I could see that. 
But yeah, he's refusing to relax. So Hermione is trying to remember what the last thing was that she learned about Devil's Snare in Herbology. And she remembers that they hate sun. So she casts this spell that blasts this beam of light. The Devil's Snare recoils and Ron falls below. And he's like, oh, lucky we didn't panic. I'm like, you little bitch. <laughs> you little so-and-so. <laughs> so they hear something behind them fluttering and they enter a room full of these birds but they're actually keys with wings shocker shocker someone's like oh there's probably a key to the door and look there's also a broom i wonder what we should do Mm. so ron tries to cast a spell on the door just to check obviously it won't open he's like okay well I would look for an old big key, like it's a really big lock. Harry manages to spot the key. It has a broken wing, probably from the previous person. Mm -hmm. He thinks that flying up to get the key is like too simple, but Ron tells him that he can do it. So Harry touches the broom. All the keys start to swarm him. Harry flies towards the key as quick as possible. He's batting the other ones away. He grabs the key and throws it down to Hermione. She opens the door and he flies straight through, just escaping all of the keys, like stabbing the door behind him. Crazy. So they find themselves in yet another room with a giant, not even life-size, like larger-than-life wizard chessboard. Um, I believe before this in the book, there's also another test which is um there's like five different potions and there's a riddle saying like one of us will like kill you the other one will do this the other one will do that like these two both do this and it's like a whole thing you have to figure out hermione uses her logic and figures out which one is like the safe one to drink that like lets them pass through the next door but that was not included in the movie instead we go straight to wizard chess they try going for Mm -hmm. the door but immediately are blocked off by these moving giant pawns and realize that they have to play their way across the room. So Ron, the chess master, takes charge and gives everyone their positions. So the game starts playing. The pieces come to life just like in wizard chess and like destroy each other just like in wizard chess. Pretty shocking. Yeah. Pieces (laughs) are getting smashed left and right And then we get the iconic moment. And can I I do it? I love this scene. Do you you want to be Ron? Yeah. Okay, I'll I'll take the other two. Okay. Okay. So they're they're down to a potential check. And Ron knows what they have to do. Harry realizes what has to happen. And Ron says, once I make my move, the queen will take me. Then you'll be free to check the king. No, Ron, no. What is it? He's going to sacrifice himself. No, you can't. There must be another way. Do you want to stop Snape from getting that stone or not? Harry, it's you that has to go on. I know it. Not me, not Hermione, you. (laughs) Not me, not Hermione, you. (laughs) Yo. 
Personally, my favorite part is that he's going to sacrifice himself. <laughs> no, you can't. Oh my God. No, you can't. There must be another way. Uh, shout out to TikTok for really bringing that whole moment back to everybody's minds uh, this past year. Yeah. But, you know, Ron does, in fact, sacrifice himself. AKA the statue gets stabbed. Like he doesn't actually get stabbed. Mm. He's KO'd though. Yeah, he does fall. Um, Hermione wants to run to him, but the game is still going, so like she can't move. Harry does the final checkmate. They win. Then they can run over to Ron and, you know, make sure he's still alive. Mm-hmm. So Harry tells Hermione to take care of Ron and then send Dumbledore and Owl ASAP. He's the one who has to go on. Ron is right. And Hermione tells Harry that he's a great wizard. And he says he's not as good as her. But she says, me, books and cleverness, they're more important things. Friendship and bravery. And Harry, just be careful. That was beautiful. Off he goes. (laughs) Harry enters the final room. His scar starts burning and he finds... Professor Quirrell <gasps> staring at himself in the mirror of Arisad. Oh my gosh. Basically, Quirrell has been pretending to have a stutter and to be meek to avoid suspicion, but he was the one trying to kill Harry at Quidditch and he was the one who let the troll into Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. But Snape wasn't fooled. He ran into the third floor to head him off. And then he never trusted Quirrell again. And he practically never left him alone. But Snape didn't understand that he's never alone. Ever. Oh my gosh. And he asks Harry what this mirror does. And he sees himself holding the stone, but doesn't understand how to find it. And this voice says, use the boy. So Quirrell makes Harry look into the mirror and Harry watches as his reflection reaches into his pocket and pulls out the philosopher's stone, smiles and winks and puts it back in his pocket. Harry feels his pocket and realizes the stone is actually there. So Quirrell's like, what do you see? And Harry's like, uh, I'm shaking hands with Dumbledore because I won the house cup. <laughs> and a voice again says he lies, he lies and asks to speak with him. Quirrell is like, you're not strong enough. But the voice says he has enough strength for this. So Quirrell unwraps his turban and turns his back to the mirror to reveal a nasty, just, you know, fucking gross, like, slitted face. And it's Voldemort on the back of his head. Oh, my gosh. And Voldemort's like, you see what I've become. See what I must do to survive. Live off another, a mere parasite. Unicorn blood can sustain me, but it cannot give me a body of my own. But there is something that can. Something that conveniently enough lies in your pocket. Mm. So Harry starts running up the stairs, but Quirrell snaps his fingers and he gets trapped by a wall of fire. 
And Voldemort says, Don't be a fool! Why suffer a horrific death when you can join me and live? And Harry goes, Never! And Voldemort goes, (laughs) (laughs) Almost like, gave myself whiplash, because I shook my head very hard when I said that. (laughs) Voldemort goes, Bravery, your parents had it too. Tell me, Harry, would you like to see your mother and father again? Together we can bring them back. And in the mirror we see, like, Harry's parents. He says, all I ask for is something in return. And, you know, Harry takes the stone out of his pocket. That's it, Harry. There is no good and evil. There is only power, and those too weak to seek it. Together, we'll do extraordinary things. Just give me the stone. And Harry goes, you liar! And Voldemort goes, kill him! So... (laughs) Quirrell literally (laughs) soars through the air. Oh my god. I love that verbiage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he soars right through that air. He grabs Harry by the throat. Stone falls out of his hand. And so Harry puts his hand like on Quirrell's, which is strangling him. And then Quirrell's hand starts burning and turns into like this stone that crumbles and disintegrates. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, Okay, clearly there's something there. So he puts both of his palms right on his face. Quirrell is screaming. Pretty crazy. He's crumbling and he disintegrates into dust. So Harry picks up the stone and behind him, the like remains of Voldemort's spirit like turns into some sort of, like, dust vapor thing, and it flies right through Harry's body, and he screams and passes out on the stairs as Voldemort's spirit flies away. Oh, wow. hmm Next thing we know, Harry wakes up in the hospital wing with a bunch of cards and candy surrounding him, and Dumbledore walks over. He's like, oh, tokens from your admirers. And he says, what happened between you and Professor Quirrell is a complete secret. So naturally, the whole school knows. <laughs> I'm like, this is actually like pretty uh, top secret. Like, yeah. maybe you shouldn't. Know. Like, the Dark Lord is among us again. Back? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So Dumbledore explains to Harry that Ron and Hermione are fine and the stone has been destroyed. And Harry's like, does that mean Nicholas Flamel is going to die? And Dumbledore's like, I had a little talk with my friend Nicholas (laughs) and he has enough elixir to get his affairs in order, but he will die. And Harry asks how he got the stone. Dumbledore explains that only a person who wanted to find the stone but not use it would be able to get it Mm. so harry asks if with the stone gone that means voldemort can never come back but dumbledore says there are other ways that he can return and dumbledore asks harry if he knows why professor quirrell couldn't bear to touch him he says it was because of his mother she sacrificed herself for him and that act leaves a mark Not this kind of mark, like the scar on his forehead, 
but it lives in his very skin. Love, Harry. Love. Then he eats an earwax jelly bean. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Dumbledore is played in the first two movies by Richard Harris, who unfortunately passed away. But after he passed, they had approached Ian McKellen to play Dumbledore. But he turned it down because when Richard Harris was alive, he said he didn't want Ian McKellen playing Dumbledore. Like, he didn't think he was good enough. (laughs) What a thing to say. Yeah. So he turned it down, um, which is pretty wild. We then go to the end of year celebration where they are going to award the House Cup in fourth place. Gryffindor because some rascals got a bunch of points taken off. (laughs) Third place is Hufflepuff. Second place, Ravenclaw. And first place is Slytherin. So they all clap and they cheer. They celebrate. And then Dumbledore sneaks in with one little last speech. (laughs) And he congratulates Slytherin. And he's like, however... Recent events must be taken into account, and I have a few last-minute points to award. To Miss Hermione Granger, for the cool use of intellect while others were in grave peril, 50 points. Next up, Ronald Weasley, for the best-played game of chess that Hogwarts has ever seen, another 50 points. (laughs) And third, Mr. Harry Potter, for pure love and outstanding courage, 60 points. And Hermione, she's doing some quick maths, and she's like, we're tied with Slytherin. (gasps) And finally, it takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to your enemies, but a great deal more to stand up to your friends. I award 10 points to Neville Longbottom. Good for him. Good for Neville. Um, it's really cute. At first, he doesn't even understand. Like, he's in total shock, and somebody has to pat him on the back and be like, that's you. (laughs) That's you, cat. That's you. You did it. (laughs) So Dumbledore goes, assuming my calculations are correct, I believe a change in decoration is in order, and all the Slytherin, uh banners turn into Gryffindor banners, and Gryffindor wins the house cup. Wow. I, can you imagine how livid you would be if you were in any other house? Yeah. Um, Phil was, like, talking when I was watching this part, and he was like, I just think that's such fucking bullshit. Like, are you kidding me? Like, how pissed would you be mm-hmm. if at the last minute he was, like, entered, you know, Gryffindor, 170 points. <laughs> Great job. Great job, Gryffindor. You did it. You beat those suckers. <laughs> You beat the house of evil children that we all fucking hate, but let them into this school for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's crazy. But yeah. at the end of the movie, everyone heads back to the Toot Toot Hogwarts Express, and Harry walks over to Hagrid to say his goodbye. Hagrid, being the loving, emotional Aww. soul he is, hands him a photo album, and it has moving pictures of him as a baby with his parents. Harry thanks him and they share a big hug and Hagrid's like, get, get out, get away. Like go fucking <laughs> go back to the bus. And he's like tearing up. Yeah. And um, he's like, but if your cousin Dudley gives you any grief, 
You could always threaten him with a pair of ears to go with his tail. And Harry's like, but we can't do magic outside of Hogwarts. You know that. (laughs) And he's like, but Dudley doesn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Harry rejoins Ron and Hermione. And she says, feels strange to be going home, doesn't it? And Harry's like, I'm not going home. Not really. Uh, Beautiful. You know what's wild is that was one of the first things that they filmed was this last scene. Whoa. And Daniel nails it, that line. Mm-hmm. it's It warms my heart every single time. Really good. Yeah, but that is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's slash Sorcerer's Stone. Wow. It's a, it's a very long movie. It's a lot of exposition. Certainly. <laughs> I think if you if you don't have a nostalgic affinity for it, I imagine it's probably not as enjoyable as some mm-hmm. of the other ones. I mean, like my personal favorite is Prisoner of Azkaban. I just think it's like the best made movie out of all of them. I like that one a lot as well. Yeah. But like you can't deny this is the first one. It's like the lightest, happiest one. We do get all of that world building that there's not really time for in the other ones. And I do love, I I mean, I didn't read the books, but watching the movie, I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, like it's incredible to see all of the fantastic mm. like sets in the grandiose buildings yeah. and like the magic and stuff. And it like, it is a kid's movie, but mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like kiddish in the way where it's like naive and like, it's yeah. like we're you know, making a lot of things like kid friendly. Mm-hmm. It just feels like a really honest coming of age story. And I think as a kid watching it, it's also very cool that it's a kid who's like the hero mm-hmm. protagonist character. Yeah. Um, because you usually don't get that combination of like fantasy mm-hmm. with the kid character, especially at that time. I guess there are more movies like that mm-hmm. now. Like I'm thinking of the one with Logan Lerman. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Percy Jackson. Mm-hmm. But at this time, I was definitely like just my imagination was sparked by this movie. It was definitely really cool to see. Oh, yeah. And I think it's a really fun form of like escapism because it does feel like it could take place in our world, um, but also is so otherworldly at the same time because we get both our world and this like magical world hiding in plain sight as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that casting-wise, I mean, not only are the kids just, like, so perfectly cast in their roles, but, like, we have some huge fucking, like, legendary adult actors in this movie that we, like, didn't even really touch Professor on. Professor McGonagall? Yeah, Maggie Smith, Dame Maggie Smith. Um, mm-hmm. We have Alan Rickman, who's amazing. I mean, Richard Harris. I could go on forever about just all of the legends uh, who have been in this franchise, but... Mm-hmm. You can just tell that that everyone just had so much fun making this movie as well. Like you can tell how close they were and like that also shines through throughout the entire series, like how much of a family they were. Yeah, and you can see as it gets, you know, progressively deeper into the movies how they all grow together mm-hmm. and I think watching it from the beginning to the end too, you're like, "Oh my gosh, they're actually getting older as the mm-hmm. characters are getting older and Yeah, so this movie definitely for me is like, I'm not even like a big Harry Potter person, but still Mm -hmm. seeing it was like such a a pivotal like childhood movie. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed rewatching it. Like it didn't feel tedious to Mm -hmm. rewatch for me. Yeah, I do think 
they probably could have been like a little bit less faithful to the book. They probably could have trimmed a couple things they here and there. They could have trimmed some things down. It's yeah. weird because I was like taking notes and then people would like – they would have like just random breakout conversations. I'm like literally nothing to do yeah. with the plot. <laughs> and then they would be like, and then this person is this historical figure. I'm like write that down, write that down. Yeah, definitely could have, you know, cut a, cut a couple things, but – it's also the first one, and I I assume they probably had this really immense pressure to really get it right mm-hmm. uh, because the books were so wildly popular before the movie was made. So it makes sense that they wanted to stay like as faithful as possible. And after this one, because the movie was such a smash success, I think they were like, yeah. okay, we have a little more freedom to – you know, maybe omit some things or maybe add some things for the sake of filmmaking because it's a different medium. Like, it yeah. can't be exactly the same as a book. So, yeah. What are you going to write up? I don't know. Because it's not my favorite one of the franchise. Yeah. I do really enjoy it. I like to watch it at Christmas time. I don't know. Maybe like a seven. I was thinking a seven, too, actually. Yeah. Because... I'm assuming eventually we will do all the movies, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to rate it like an eight or a nine because yeah. there are movies that I like more than this one in the series, but it's definitely a big nostalgic favorite for me. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it, so seven, a solid seven. Yeah. And there's such babies in it. I always forget until I watch them. Like, they're so young. so young. It's crazy because I was writing in my notes. I'd be like, the kids are in the hallway or, like, the kids are going here. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. When I was watching this, I was younger than them, like, when it Mm -hmm. came out. Yeah. It's crazy. It's It's wild that it's been uh, over 20 years. years. Oh, yeah. Over – oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) It's now been 21 years, which is fucking insane. Um, Mm -hmm. But if it makes you feel better – the last one only just came out in, like, 2013, 2014, so. Yeah, only, like, nine years ago. God, I can't hear that. <laughs> I can't hear that. But that if was it makes you feel better, ago. the most recent one was only nine years ago. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah, well, we hope you enjoyed this really fun theme month. Yeah, I think we have some really enjoyable theme months coming mm-hmm. up that you're yeah. going to love. Yes. You can always follow us on Instagram. It's at Movies That Raised Us. Or you can pop onto Twitter. It's at MTRU underscore pod. Yes, you can also follow us on TikTok at Movies That Raised Us pod. And if you would like, you can send us a good old-fashioned email at Movies That Raised Us at gmail.com. We are very excited for April because we have we have some bangers coming your way in April. Heavy hitters, okay? We took a look at that request form. We pulled some mm-hmm. very interesting. It's going to be a little bit of an interesting mix, but they're all highly requested. Yeah. And personally, I'm most excited for the final movie of April. I think that's going to be... I'm pretty excited for that. It's going to be a good one. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. I think if we had a theme for April, it would be like highly requested April. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we will see you next week for our first banger of the month. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina. And our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.